welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. There was a family who had just moved to a new town, and their son came to Sunday school for the very first time. And He seemed a little upset, and so the teacher, wanting to make a connection with this new young man, introduced herself and asked him if there was anything wrong. The boy said, well, not really. I just really wanted to go fishing this morning instead of going to church. But my dad told me I couldn't go fishing and I need to go to church. Of course, the teacher was very impressed with this boy's parents and asked if the father had explained why it was important to go to church rather than to go fishing. And the boy answered, yes, he did. My dad said that he didn't have enough bait for us both to go. you're a guest or you're joining us online, we are in a series called About Time. And again, if you're listening to our podcast or um, our, our YouTube channel, we've been talking about this idea of time. And this whole entire series has been based on one simple verse in the book of Ephesians. It's going to be on the screen behind me. I'd like us to read this out loud together. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Church, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are commanded to make the most of our time, to do everything we can to make the most of that. You know, there's a sociologist and economist by the name of Thorsten Velbin, and this is what he said. Work, not leisure, is now the greatest signifier of status in our culture. In all our studies, time availability, or the lack of it, has actually become a new measure of one's status. How sad is that, that we live in a culture where people wear their busy badge, right? You you ever have, you have a conversation with someone, how's it going? I'm busy. And and if they're really busy, how are you? Busy, busy. And if you get the three busy, right? Busy, busy, busy. Man, that's a busy person. And we're impressed by that. Friends, that should make us sad. We are so busy. And one of the things I love about this time of year is we say, this is the time of year we need to slow down. We need to take some time to be with family, to be with friends. And that's what God's calling us to do. And I hope this series has been helpful to you in that. Because there's these three ideas that we've been unpacking. And it's the idea of worship, work, and play. And how we've been saying this as when it comes to our worship and our culture, when it comes to work in our culture, we tend to worship our work. We tend to work at our play, and we tend to play at our worship. See, these three things, work, worship, and play, are all gifts from God, but yet they've been warped by our sin. And the first week of our series, Stacy was here, and if you missed it, can't encourage you enough, go to our website, yankton.church, our YouTube channel, watch the message from Stacy, where she unpacked the idea of work. And she said this phrase that I just love. She said, when you go to work, do you go to work for a paycheck, or do you see work as your pulpit? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your job is not simply a paycheck. It is a pulpit that you've been given to live like Christ. To which I might add, if you have co-workers who aren't like Christ, (laughs) that's a great opportunity to share the love with them. You might say, well, I can't talk about Jesus at work. I guarantee you can act like Jesus at work. I guarantee you there's people at your work that don't act like Jesus, and you can stand out to that. You can be a light in that situation. 
And last week I talked about the idea of time. And I've been saying this, and I'm going to just keep hammering on this, is if I were to tell you if you would sit down and you would follow this, these instructions, you'd have a million dollars in a year. Every single one of you would take notes and be there and do it. What I shared last week is so much more important than any dollar amount that you can make. It's how do we budget our time. And I made the statement that I have all the time I need to accomplish his purposes. And I had those little, that little can with the three balls that I have in my office. I hope you guys had a chance to unpack that as well. If you didn't, go back and watch that message. But today, we're going to talk about this idea of worship. And for my little opening story there, I think it, we laugh about it, but I think it's kind of sad that it's true that we do play at our worship when it comes to our culture. And here's what I mean by that. When you think of church, what comes to mind? And most people think about a building, right? Well, we kind of we blaze that myth in this church, right? Church isn't a building, it's a body. But, but when you think about church, is this what you think about right now? Just an hour on Sunday morning to kind of check a box and move on? Was the entire purpose of Jesus' death and resurrection just to show up for an hour, listen to some music, listen to a message, pray, and so I could move on with the rest of my day? And of course, that's if there's nothing else better available, because something better is going on while well, I, I can't make it today. Are the people around us here in this congregation, in this room, are they simply people that we just politely say hi to and, and give them a compliment, but we never see them Monday through Saturday? See, I would contend that I think worship was so much more than just sitting for an hour on Sunday morning. I think God had a whole bunch more planned for that. And we're going to unpack that today. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. We actually have some out there. We just have you sign your name to it, and we'll give you a Bible. The other thing I would recommend is Uversion. It's a free app on any smartphone and device. And this is how I recommend it. I say, if you carry a smartphone around with you all day, <laughs> I'm going to recommend you download Uversion. Because there's a lot of things you can use phones for. And, and again, not bad. I love my phone. I use it as well. But I guarantee you, nothing will be as beneficial as God's Word. Amen? So I'd encourage you to download that. But Genesis chapter 2, we're going to start at the beginning of what God set when he created planet Earth. Genesis 2, I'm going to start in the second verse. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, I'm not going to argue a seven-day, six-day creation week. That's a whole other message. So if you're struggling with that, I just want to ask it this way. How busy was your week this week? Did you have a lot going on this week? Did you have a lot to accomplish, a lot of tasks to do? I know I did. I had a pretty busy week. But, but when you think about how busy your week was, um, did, you, did you watch a, a baby whale be born in the ocean, in a dark part of the ocean that nobody saw? Because <laughs> God did. Did you direct all of the weather around the entire planet Earth? Because God sure did. Did you hold all the planets on their orbit and the gravity and all the places to make sure all of those laws and thermodynamics were in place and held in place? Because God did. This is my point in saying that. No matter how busy you think your week was, it wasn't nearly as busy as God. God has a lot of things going on. And God did this very important thing where he said, listen, there's a lot to do in my creation. I know because I made it. But it's so important to understand this idea of taking one day and blessing it. And I want to remind you, as you're, as you're looking at that, if you thought about this before, this happened before sin entered the world. 
I'm going to remind you that Genesis chapter 2, the world was still in perfection, unity, and harmony with God, with man, and with creation. And I also want to remind you that God gave man work before sin. Work was not a result of sin. Work happened before sin happened. But as we'll find out, when we sin, that made work hard. That's why work is difficult, why we labor and toil. But yet, if you remember, God established the idea of work and rest while we were still in perfection. Why? Because he knew there was a danger that we would end up worshiping our work. That's why he said, six days you are to work. One day is for me. God created us. God knew us. God designed us for work. But he knew we had to establish a boundary because to make sure we understood that he is God and we are not. Because without that boundary, we would try to act like we were God in our world. And friends, we are not. God established the six-day week. Well, if you fast forward to Genesis 3, you know what happened. Uh, mankind blew it, and sin entered the world. And the relationship between God and man was broken. The world fell into the fallen state that we see today. But if you want to turn in your Bibles a little bit forward to Exodus chapter 20, we learned about a guy named Moses, a nation of Israel that God raised up to say, I'm going to redeem the world through this nation of Israel. And in Exodus 20, Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egypt towards the promised land. But before they went there along the way, they made a stop at a mountain called Sinai. And God established his Ten Commandments. I'm going to remind you again, this is the world that has been broken by sin. God's providing a law to help the people. And this Exodus 20 is God's top ten list. I don't know if you know that. David Letterman didn't make the top ten list. God made it, all right? These are God's Ten Commandments. Look at Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days. How many days, church? That was weak. How many days, church? Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do you know why God, in this moment of teaching his top ten list to give to the nation that was meant to redeem the world, one of the things is to remember the Sabbath? Do you know why that was? Because God knew we would forget. He gave us a weekly reminder that there is a God and I am not him. And God goes on to explain the purpose of the Sabbath. I find it interesting. He didn't explain murder or lying or stealing. Like, we kind of know that, right? We got like, yeah, we get that, God. But talk to me about this one day a week thing. And God says, okay, I'll do that for you. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. There's the call back to Genesis 2. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, if you're new to church, that word Sabbath might be a new word for you. And if you've been part of church for a long time, I guarantee you probably heard the word Sabbath, but I don't think we really understand what the word Sabbath means. And I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. We have reduced the idea of Sabbath to I'm going to sit for an hour, check a box, and move on with my day. Friends, that's not what God ever intended the Sabbath to be. And I'm going to show this to you. So the word Sabbath actually means something very significant. In the Hebrew language, when it came to the days of the week, they didn't do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That was the Romans. We took that from them, okay? But in the Hebrew language, do you know what the days of the week were? The first day was one day. 
The second day was two-day. The third day was, what do you think it was, church? Three-day, right? This. The fourth day was, the fifth day was, the sixth day was, and the seventh day was, ah, not seven-day. In the Hebrew language, in the days of the week, the first day was one day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day. But the seventh day was called stop day. Sabbath. When you hear the word Sabbath, that's what it literally means. It means stop day. Now, I'm going to read this for you, and, and, and just listen to this. One day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day. Stop day. Doesn't that just feel good, right? Say that with me. Ready? One day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day. Stop day. Friends, God designed life to follow this rhythm. This is God's calendar to say, listen, every seventh day, you need to have a stop day where you remember there is a God and you are not him. That is why God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. If we can go back to our last series about being on the throne, we talked about being on the throne. That is our way of saying God is not, uh, God is on the throne of my life. I am not. That is how we will prevent from worshiping our work because on six days, we have six days to get everything done we need to get done, but the seventh day is holy unto the Lord. To which you might say, well, pastor, <laughs> I'm an American. <laughs> I get five workday week, and then I get two days a weekend, all right? Everybody look right here. God did not establish a five-day work week. That was the Industrial Revolution, okay? And I think that's part of the problem because that's what we say. We have our time at work, and then we have our me time. This is how, again, in our culture, we have reduced the idea of Sabbath to coming for an hour on Sunday, checking a box, and moving on with my time. Pastor, when can the message get over? I've got a Vikings game to watch. Newsflash, they're going to lose anyway, okay, right? What, what, what does the Sabbath mean? What does it really look like? And I tell you what, I, I love you with all my heart, but I got to get a little close. Every once in a while, as your pastor, because I love you, I got to push in a little bit. Are you guys okay if I do that? All right, here's the thing. I hear a lot of excuses as to why Sabbath doesn't matter. And, and I hear a lot of questions, right? People are like, is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? Because the Jews did Saturday. We do Sunday. Does it really matter? And, and again, I, I want to always say this too. I'm really glad that we have nurses right now that are in the hospital, right? And I get it. Like, if you're a nurse or you're a policeman or fireman, I'm really glad for the fact that they're not here right now. They're out doing their job. We need to have that. So when do we have a Sabbath? What do we need to do? Here's what I'm going to say to all of that stuff. Satan will do everything he can to try to keep you from having a Sabbath. There is an enemy that hates you, he hates your life, and he's going to try to disrupt that any way he can because he knows the power that comes from living your life following God's rhythm, which was one day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day, stop day. When we don't live our life in that rhythm, it's going to get complicated. And let me give you another example about this. Any survival guide will tell you that if you're out in the wilderness, you're out in the woods, you're up in the mountains, and you find yourself lost, you don't have any cell phone coverage, you can't use Google Maps, you're not sure where to go, every survival guide will tell you the number one thing you need to do is get to high ground. Find the highest point that you could possibly find to look around and try to reorientate yourself. Friends, 
That is what a Sabbath is. One day a week, I'm going to get to the highest point I can possibly get to on planet Earth, and I'm going to look around at my life, see how my rhythms are going, and see where I can get better. Look at Exodus 31, 14. This is what God says to Moses. Say to the Israelites, to which he would say to you and I today, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Friends, there is an enemy who will try to get you to do everything he can to avoid taking a Sabbath every single day. And I want to give you another illustration because I just want to make sure you understand the importance of what this means to have a Sabbath. You guys hear me talk a lot from God's Word about the tithe, okay? Now, don't get nervous. This isn't a message on money, okay? But for those of you who don't understand the idea of a tithe, what that means is we say God has given us everything. Everything we have is a gift from God, and what God established through Moses that we continue to this day is the first 10% of whatever God gives us, we return to God. If I make $100, $10 goes to God. That first 10% goes to God. Now, Again, this isn't about money, so don't get nervous, but I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The issue is never the 10%. God established that so we would always remember that everything we have comes from where? God, not us. We return the tithe to God so we can always remember everything we have comes from God. Here's the issue with tithing. It's never the 10%. It's always the 90% we have left over because we say, oh, God, I don't think I can afford to live on just 90%, to which God goes, exactly, because you think you're doing it. Now, if you got nervous, come, come back to me. It's the same thing with the Sabbath. It's the exact same idea. It's got nothing to do with the day. It's got everything to do with your heart and with your faith. God says, I'm going to give you six days of the week to get done whatever you think you need to get done in your little world, but that one day is mine. One day a week, you are going to have a stop day that is holy unto me. And if you struggle with that and you say, well, pastor, I, I can't do that. I am so busy. I can't get through that. You're exactly right. <laughs> you just again showed where your heart's at. Because God says, I am God and you are not. So in your Bibles right now, I want you to turn to Psalm 92. You guys are doing so good with your Bible today. It's great. We went from Genesis to Exodus. Now we're going to go to a Psalm 92. Because I understand, okay, pastor, I want, I, want to, I want to have a Sabbath. What does that look like? What does that mean? So glad you asked because God's Word is a guide for us, isn't it? And in Psalm 92, if you turn there, we have a guide for what a Sabbath looks like. And it's called, it, some of you might see in the top of your um, chapter there, or in the first verse, it says, a song for the Sabbath. Just so you know, the psalm, the book of Psalms, is actually God's hymnal. All these are songs that were written, that were sung and performed. Psalm 92 was actually sung every single Sabbath in the Jewish culture. Jesus, when the Bible says Jesus went to the synagogue on Sabbath, Jesus sang this song on the Sabbath. How cool is that? We have a song that Jesus sang every single Sabbath to remind us of the Sabbath. And so here's what it goes. Look at verse 1. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. If you got your notes or you, got, you can text this yourself, I'm going to give you four things from this passage that the Sabbath does. Here's the first one. The Sabbath is to rejoice. The Sabbath is to rejoice. There is power in saying thank you. Showing appreciation for all that I have 
in all that I am. And the problem is we don't do it consistently. If you don't consistently go to God and rejoice, it will go away. That's why God established a Sabbath. That's what the verse 1 tells us there. We need to remember God and to give the joy to him. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Sabbath is for rejoicing. Many of you know that throughout uh, uh, worship time, we, music is a powerful tool of worship. That's why every culture, every generation has always included music in their worship time because it's a very powerful thing. It helps us to rejoice and remember in our Sabbath. Now go down to verse 5. Psalm 92, verse 5. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. Here's the second thing that the Sabbath is for. The Sabbath is for reflecting. We need to remember all that God has done. This is why reading your Bible on the Sabbath is not only critical, it's just necessary to do. Because you remember all the things God has done. What God did through Noah, through Moses, through Joshua, through David, through Isaac, through Samuel, all the way through. Scripture, God has done amazing things. Jesus, Peter, Paul, Mark, Ringo, just making sure you're listening, okay? God, God's done some amazing things. And we use the Sabbath to go through his word to remember those things. But please listen, not just the things that God did long ago, not just the things that God did for the saints. Take some time to reflect on what God has done in your life. And as I look around this room, I get emotional because I know most of your stories. And I remember the things that you've told me that God has done in your life. Friends, every single week, we have an opportunity to reflect back to God and tell him thank you for all the things that he has done. Don't forget that. And when we don't make that a habit, we forget and we move on, and that's why we get discouraged. Look at verse 11. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of the wickedness from my foes. So a Sabbath is for rejoicing. A Sabbath is for reflecting. Here's the third one. A Sabbath is for restoring or restoration. Friends, each and every one of us fight battles every single day. Some of us are fighting battles with our health. Some of us are fighting battles with our finances. Some of us fight battles at work. Some of us fight battles at home. Some of us fight battles in relationships. We live in a fallen and broken world. Sin has corrupted our world. But every week when we come to our Sabbath, we can have God's restoration in our lives. We can know that God is fighting the battle, not you and I. And friends, when we surrender the battle to God, he has the victory. Our Sabbath is a way of coming to God to say, God, restore me. God, repair me from the damage from this week and prepare me for what I have to face this next week. And this is so powerful to go to God and say, God, there's a situation that I have and I just need your insight. I need your help with it. God will help restore that. Now, I'm not promising you that God will restore that relationship because that relationship might not be restored. But you know what God will do? God will restore your relationship with him. We need to do this every single week, friends, because we can be worn down by the battles. So a Sabbath is to rejoice, it's to reflect, it's to restore. The fourth one is found in verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. 
So again, a Sabbath is to rejoice, reflect, restore. Here's the fourth one. A Sabbath is to refresh. To refresh. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever describe the Sabbath spoken in isolation. In order to fulfill, to have a Sabbath, you need to be around God's people. And I'm going to add, in the house of the Lord, which is what we're doing here today. It's why we do that. It's not just an hour to check a box and move on with my day. It's so we can have those things in the house of the Lord. It's why we sing music and songs. And again, that's not something I invented. Every culture of Christianity has done it since the beginning of time. It's why we pray together and why we cast those cares on God with each other. It's why I prepare a message from God's Word to help you understand it in a way that you can apply in your life. But most importantly, and this is what I want you to get more than anything else from this message, I hope that it's a time to refresh your relationships. These men and women around you, and again, I have the privilege of knowing most everyone in this room, there's some amazing people in this room. And they have the ability to refresh our hearts. It has the time to flourish in our lives. We talk about all the time, and you hear me talk about this church, about how we want to fill this theater. And, and please understand, I believe God wants to do that. I believe it wants to happen. I think there's a really good reason why that could happen. If that's the place we come to refresh. I don't know about you. I can't wait to get here on Sunday morning. I love you guys. It is refreshing to my soul. And I don't say this because I'm the pastor. If I'm not the pastor of this church, if God's called somebody else to be pastor, I'm still going to keep coming to this church because I just love you guys. I love being in relationships. I love smiling. I like saying, how was this? Hey, how, how did this go? And just feel refreshed by that. When I leave here on Sunday, I'm just ready and I'm just full and I'm ready to go face my week because I'm surrounded by brothers and sisters who I love. That is what our world is seeking in so many different places. Why can't that be in the church? You with me? That's the place we come to refresh our soul and to be around other people and to be in relationships. I believe God can make that happen. This week, I sent out a video for those of you who signed up for Connect at Celebrate, I hope you got a chance to watch it. But it's actually from our parent church in Sioux Falls. Dr. Joanne Lyon, who has been a huge part of our Celebrate network, she's a mentor to Pastor Keith from Sioux Falls, and I'm just, just in awe by this woman. She gave an incredible message. And if you didn't get a chance to watch it, I'm going to encourage you to go watch that. Um, we'll send out the link again in case you missed it. But she talked about how we are to be a colony of heaven. I just love that phrase, and this is what she said by that. We are called as God's people, as the followers of Jesus, to create a little bit of heaven right here on earth. We live in a fallen, broken world. We can't fix that. Jesus eventually will. But in the meantime, how cool would it be if we developed to be a little colony of heaven right here? In our congregation, this is a place we could come and we can rejoice to God. We can sing songs of praise and be thankful for that. We can reflect back, not on all the things that God, not just all the things God has done in his word, but the things that he's done in our lives. That we can be restored, that relationships can be restored, that we can be restored to our relationship with God, and that we can leave here and be refreshed and go, okay, now I'm ready to go face my week. Doesn't that sound like a fun Sabbath day? Isn't that what God wants for us? I believe it with all my heart, church. So God has designed us for a pace in our worship. Worship was never meant to be play. 
And, and so just one more time, church, I want to read this through again. And, and I think that I just want to establish this rhythm, not just in your mind, but also in your heart and in your life. Just read this again with me. One day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day. Stop day. Let's do it one more time. One day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day. Stop day. Doesn't that just feel good? And, and, and here's what I'm going to challenge you to do, church. I want you to go home, and at some point today, I want you to pull out your Bible. I want you to get on your Bible app, and I want you to read Psalm 92. I want you to take those four things that we talked about and see how they're reflected back into God's Word. And, and I just got to be honest with you. I, sometimes, I, I'm just going to say, sometimes I feel like Charlie Brown teacher up here, okay? If you guys know Peanuts and Charlie Brown, right? I love Charlie Brown. You remember Charlie Brown teacher? He just, she'd just be like, wah, 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 right? I, I'm just being honest with you guys. I love you. Sometimes I feel that way, all right? And, and here's why I mean that. I, I have people come to me, and they're like, Pastor, I'm just so stressed out. Pastor, I have all these things in my life, and I'm thinking in my head, I haven't seen you in like two months on Sunday. I have people come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm just not hearing from God. I just don't hear what God's saying to me. I'm like, have you been in his word? And, and that's why I'm saying that, church. Go home today. Read Psalm 92. Think about how a Sabbath was designed to rejoice, to reflect, to restore. Put God's word into practice. Because otherwise, we're just sitting here wasting our time checking a box. You with me, church? God wants us, God established us to have a rhythm in life, and that is his rhythm, and that's how we can feel his love and presence. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that when you were creating all the planets and the stars and the mountains and the ocean and the sky and the moon and plants and animals and all your infinite wisdom, you finished all of that and you said, you know what? <laughs> There's one thing I just need to make sure that I establish. And that's this holy rhythm. That in the course of our work, God, which is holy, God, you created work to be perfect. God, it's only because of sin that work has become hard. But even in that, God, we need to say, listen, there's a pattern we have to establish. We have six days to get done. Whatever we think is so stinking important that we got to get it done. But that seventh day belongs to you. We gather in your house, not just to check a box for an hour, but to have those things that you've reflected to us in your word, God. God, I pray that today would be a day of rejoicing, that we would use music, we would use words to rejoice to you all the amazing things you've done. God, I pray that our Sabbath each week would be a day of reflection. God, we would look in your word and look back on all the great things you've done, but also we would look back on our own lives, God. And maybe it's just as short as looking back to last week and saying, man, there were some tough things that happened last week, but man, look at that time. Or look at, God, even if there's one thing this week that we could grab hold of and say, man, that was really awesome. And we could just reflect on that and bring that back to you. God, I pray that our Sabbath every week would be a day of restoration. God, that we would recover from the hurts and the pains that we've had to deal with, God. That we could prepare for what you have for us this week. So we would come with a full tank instead of an empty tank. God, you never intended us to run on empty. You just want to be the one that fills us up. And God, more than anything, I ask 
that this Sabbath would be a time of refreshing. God, that the relationships would grow so strong in this room. That again, it's not just people that we just politely say hi to, but we really take the time to get to know them. We really get to know their lives so we can walk with them and, and, and struggle with them and rejoice with them, God. And God, when we're a church that does that, there's not a building in Yankton big enough to hold that church. And God, it won't even be an option anymore. It won't even be a debate whether I should show up on Sunday or not. It would be the exact opposite. Be Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you come and find that peace that our world is chasing in so many other ways, but it can only truly be found in your love and in the rhythm that you establish? God, I thank you so much. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless. Thank you.